Hello and welcome to Snakes and Ladders, a podcast about our time in the workplace, career ups and downs, and the tips and tricks we've picked up along the way. You're hosted today by myself, Peter Conroy, and you, Julian Armstrong. How are you, mate? Not too bad. Coming up on today's show, last week we spoke about the various forms of progression, but today we do a deeper dive into linear progression and how to make the most of it. And later on, we answer another mailbag, a bit of a tricky one, so looking forward to that too. Nice. But first of all, the Yoko to my Ono, Mr. <laughs> Julian Armstrong. That's what I was giggling at earlier. <laughs> How are you? Brilliant. Yeah, excited, man. We're, um, you know, we've had some issues with audio before, but we've got new mics today, so I'm pretty stoked to see how it turns out. Hopefully yeah. it's uh, nice and crisp. Yeah, I'm a bit nervous. I've been spent the last hour trying to make them work, but they seem to be working. So yeah. fingers crossed. Bear with us. <laughs> Getting professional. Yeah, man. Nice. How was awesome. your week? Yeah, it's been, it's been a week. It's been a week. We won't go into it, no. but it's been a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll unpack that at a later date. Yeah, probably. No, yeah. but uh, it's been a week of growth, yep. uh, you know, new experiences, which is always interesting. Yep. Probably a week I would prefer to have not had, but, you know, yep. growth. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, much the same. Um, I'm about to do a bit of travel, which would be really cool. Yeah. So I always get, I don't know about you, I get really travel anxiety so i like the week leading up to going anywhere i get really stressed no nah, it doesn't happen to me because i just don't deal with anything <laughs> okay you just turn up and hope for the best the wife's sorting it all out pretty much yeah i'm the wife yeah <laughs> we've so. got uh we've got skiing coming up too which i'm pretty excited about not done that for years is this um, in france or switzerland france nice. and it's like an all-in trip which i think is ideal because then i don't need to like do much yeah in terms of prep but yeah Exciting, yeah. Yeah, nice. All right, cool. Well, let's get into let's it. Let's get into it. No worries. So the most common career plan uh, that most people encounter is one that's tried and tested. But the safest path is often the path well-trodden and can be congested and slow. So how can we use this career plan to your advantage and ensure its success? So let's talk about business structure so we're talking about linear progression which to kind of recap from last week is your stock standard you do a job and it's kind of like the assumed next thing along the track there's no real kind of like strategy involved it's just kind of the default progress over time yeah and that could be defined by the industry you're in or just by the company yep so you so you know you hear it all the time, someone who's, you know, senior VP of whatever mm. is like, well, I started out as this and did that for a few years and then ended up doing this and yeah. then got a promotion and, and just kind of work your way up the tree. Mm. Um, and, you, you know, you, you can assume as much. Yeah. Um, all things, you know, going well. I yeah. Suppose. And I think mo- most companies, well, most, uh, a lot of industries, but definitely most companies will have a sort of, you know, career framework or a career map or a hierarchy if it's not written down, it's sort of implied. Yeah. Um, I think one of the challenges, though, is in particularly in large organisations and, and even more so international organisations, there's this sort of scope creep or, or kind of career map creep where someone has been hired in with a really obscure title. You don't really know where that person fits in, but actually they're doing the same thing as you. Yeah. Um, 
and it sort of, sort of starts to create some murkiness. But without going into those specific examples, um, you know, they, they, they will naturally happen. But without going into those sort of examples, what we really want to tackle is the sort of the, the, the typical situation. Yes. Um, well, yeah. is it, is it, there's a couple of things to kind of, I think, address out the gate is that I think this type of progression is what would be considered to be the, I would say, main standard and most appropriate form of progression maybe 20, 30 years ago, our mm. parents' generation, because yeah. you go to a business and you basically die at the business. Mm. So yeah. you've worked there for 30, 40 years. I think as things are progressing in the way that younger people are approaching their work choices and their lifestyle yeah. is that staying at one business for a really long time doesn't necessarily, you know, doesn't doesn't seem like a common thread anymore for most yeah, people. For sure. I think the, on the average now they're saying that millennials are staying at any given business for sort of like two, three years max. Yeah. And but I mean, bear in mind, like you can still, we, we still linearly progress yeah, whilst, whilst jumping business. Yes, absolutely. You know? um, but I think that, that that throws an extra dimension of, of sort of, complicated sort of nuance to it mm -hmm. um and i think that's one of the, i th we're going to talk about some ways to do it better and i mm -hmm. think actually sort of linear progression but jumping from business to business is one of those ways yeah for sure um so i mean let's let's run through an example of of linear progression like mm -hmm. you know within our industry yeah well even even more like uh, more so that there's you know, if you work in the public health system or you're a teacher or you're, um, you know, you work at university. It's pretty heavily it, structured. It's very heavily structured. They've mm. got what's called banding. Um, and banding is basically a predefined uh, range of people's salaries. And those salaries uh, and their titles are typically attached to like a competency framework or a, you know, like a qualification that the people need to have had. Um, and it's in, it's very black and white. It's, it's very common in the states as well for large organisations to have this, um, and it actually is is really useful if it's that well structured because you can use it to your advantage. Yep. Um, so yeah, sorry, you, it, we can we can talk about our industry. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, like if if you look at a if you're an engineer and you want to be a project manager eventually, you know that there's a number of steps you have to take and a number of you know even though it sounds ageist, but we work in industries that are that, you know prioritize how many years you've been in it um yeah you need to be a project engineer for a number of years before you become a, a project manager do you consider that ages it is because they're putting a number on experience like you right. could look at people who so there's no critical assessment of actual experience it's just you've been in a job so it's assumed yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you, you, you could have five years worth of experience or... And learn you know, shit all in that five years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you could have handed over five projects successfully and seen start to finish worth of experience or you could have been on one job and not done much at all. Or been in a, like a, you know, shooting fish in a barrel kind of job where it was fairly drama-free, yeah, yeah. stock standard, no real challenges. Or mm. you could have been through the absolute ringer with a nightmare project mm. and just learnt, you know... Yeah, everything. So, so the number is a bit arbitrary. Uh, so I think it's ages is probably the wrong word, but you know, like the the prioritizing, um, you know, the length of service over actually what people have gained in terms of skills. It's a bit, it's lazy recruitment, really. It is, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I guess like more formally, you know, um, 
architects become sort of principals, you know, you can be an associate or a principal or a director, etc. There's sort of very clear progression. You know, QSs become senior QSs, uh, quantity surveyors. Um, a lot of these things are very well ingrained in this industry and, and most industries because that's just the hierarchy that's been there for, for many years. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think that like it's it's an, it's an important structure to have in place for a business in order to kind of kind of temper the pace at which people come and go. Mm. I think what will be more important moving forward is that those frameworks are like justified. Yeah. I think something that's pretty typical and, and it can be an issue with this particular framework is that there's kind of a an autopilot about it as you said like mm. there's an ageism associated with sort of looking at, you know, oh, they've done it for five years, now let's move them on and not actually really having a good hard look at like the skill set yeah. required to move on and whether or not that person's achieved it or not. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, we're going to go into skills in a second, but like if these frameworks are done well, they should facilitate equitable sort of promotion and hiring and and remuneration decisions. Yeah, well, people should be stratified sort of accurately in terms of their skill but also their costs so mm -hmm. it's really an ins it there's should be an incentive for businesses to do this properly i think the problem is is that people in their tribal nature and the way that people socialize and play politics is that it that always ends up kind of making it messy yeah um and so it's also hard like it is know, hard how one of the hardest things is to try and put a a metric or a measure on behaviors um but it is incredibly important when it comes to development and leadership skills so how do you measure someone's ability to communicate for example yeah uh, it's doable uh, and people should do it but when you are asked that kind of question it, it can sort of force you into the easy way out of not not sort of doing it at all well, i think um, it's very emotive and, and subjective when you're talking about soft skills like yeah. someone's ability to basically interact with other people mm. And the only way in which to kind of ascertain whether or not that's true is to ask those people, do you find the way that this person interacts with you be like, is it successful or not? Yeah. And, you know, that can come off as really critical, I guess. Yeah. It's not black and white. It's like, can you do this or can you do that? It's, you know, you're criticizing someone's, you know, that's a, that's a skill that's not only required at work, but that's a life skill. Yeah. And to say that you're not able to do something that's fairly fundamental in being, you know, affable, likable, yeah, you know, successful. But of course, there's really diverse. I mean, if we if we talk about communication, there's really diverse ranges of requirements for communication. So, mm -hmm. I think within this context, it, it it's always going to be difficult. People will take it personally if their manager says, "You know, I don't think you've achieved this skill," or "I think this is a a skills gap that you might have." Mm. Um, but you know, the the first thing is to know whether your business has formally or informally got the structure in there. Like, so, I mean, where do, we, where do you go with it? So, I'm, I'm, I'm working at a business, I've just started a job or I'm a year into my job and I go, okay, like I'm interested in pursuing, I'm at the very bottom so I can kind of pursue several branches, I can go in any direction. Say you're a grad, even mm -hmm. for example, we've got someone who's a grad who's listening mm -hmm. and they really can take their career trajectory in any particular way and they go, I'm really interested in this particular branch of this linear progression. Yeah. Who do they go, where do, who do they speak to? Yeah, I mean, it, the, the first thing is you've got to speak to your line manager yeah. um, about, you know, getting transparency over the skills and uh, capabilities and experience that needs to be gained in order to progress in that in that line. Um, 
if it's a line outside of their line manager, then they obviously need to speak to their line manager anyway and say, well, this is the route that I would like to pursue. How do I get over to that? You yeah, know, that, and then that one. is this something people should be able to expect from HR? So, for example, should they be able to go to their HR and say, do you guys have a framework? Definitely, definitely. I think the, 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 the one caveat I would say to that is that the framework should be there and facilitated by the HR function, but they are not the experts in what makes up the framework. The skills themselves, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if you're... If you're a specialist within a business, the HR team won't have a strong grasp of your specialisms. Yep. You know, the, those specialists should be making up what can what is contained within that framework. Mm-hmm. Um, but they should, any any decent business should have a framework that says, you know, th- these are the roles, these are the progressions, um, because it, it it's a fundamental thing that that underpins pay, right? Yep. And at the very least, every HR team unless they want to have an absolute nightmare um, every year when it comes to pay review. Or even every like few years when they're trying to shake out overhead costs. Yeah, that. But like, can you imagine not having a banding guide for salaries every year and people are like... I wouldn't be shocked if there are a lot of businesses that don't have that. Probably, but it, it's, a, it's an own goal really if they it don't is, have yeah. it. Um, and so if they do have a framework or a banding guide for the salaries relating to the different roles and titles, then... Mm undoubtedly the next question that someone will come to them and ask is, okay, well, that person's a senior and I'm not a senior. What's the? They're getting paid this and I'm getting paid this. What's the difference between the two of us? I think the default will always come back to they've been here longer, unfortunately. But that now is a problem. You can't yes. say that anymore. Yep. Um, fu- fundamentally, you can't just say, well, they've been doing this for longer than you. I suppose then, like, so that, I mean, this is, this is the drawback, right? So we're talking about linear progression, you're kind of on a like a singular pathway with a whole bunch of people in front of you and behind you. Mm. And you say, well, that person's got senior in their title. If we pair it back from the business's point of view, they've got a budget in terms of like how much they... So you've talked about banding that's attached to salaries. Mm. And if a business does have some sort of framework in regards to aligning salaries to their... Don't worry, we're not getting arrested. Today. Yeah, I was just saying to the police. Yeah. Um, if the business does have a sort of framework in place to align salaries to job titles mm. and there's someone with a job title who's senior quotation marks and mm. you're not senior but you believe that you have the same skill set as them yeah you know that's that's where this progression can be a headbutting exercise yeah i think you've kind of got to be able to quantify then well what skill set do you how how, how is your skill set on equal merits as to the person in front of you or person yeah exactly so how do i become the senior is yeah. the question right yeah so you've got someone in front of you that's a senior and they turn around and, and you know, you work out that they've got a certain salary. It's better than yours. You know, you want the title, you want the salary. Um, so the question is, how do I get there? Yeah. Right? And undoubtedly, the, the response will be, you need to have gained this level of experience or, you know, be capable of doing these things, mm-hmm. right? Um, and basically what we're saying in linear progression is that that should be clear what those things are and what that experience is. Mm. There will be situations where the business cannot provide you with the opportunity to undertake the experience, yep. and that's okay. Yep. What isn't okay is when they lie to you about it and yep. say, "Oh, yeah, you know, Sally, we've got, you know, you're doing a great job, but uh, you need to get this experience, um, and we're going to make sure that we put that opportunity in front of you, but then, you know, they, they never give it to you." Or yep. 
they lie and say well, you actually you need more experience than you than you actually need to be able to become the senior mm. to sort of just dangle the carrot in front of you and keep you sort of chasing it. Well, I suppose in that, let's say they they do turn around and say, well, you need more experience. It's you know then their responsibility to say, well, okay, if, if what's precluding me from progress is experience, you need to give me the experience, exactly. or the opportunity to gain the experience. Exactly. But some companies like you know, so if we're if we're talking about uh, construction. If, if your next role is uh, project director or something mm-hmm. and your project manager and the experiences that you need to be able to work on a bigger project, that bigger project just mightn't be available yet. Yeah. And so a good boss will turn around to you and say, sorry, you know, you're next in line to deliver that bigger project. We just can't give it to you yet because we don't have it. Yeah. You know, and you're within your rights to go, well, I want to go somewhere else where the opportunity does exist, which is fine. It's a shame if, if good companies lose good people, but at least you've been honest with the person and said, you are where you need to be to be able to progress, but we just can't give you the step up yet, you know? I suppose then, like, I, and this is just maybe me, but, like, if someone said to me that and, and I could tell they were being honest about that, I'd probably want to stay. Yeah, I think so. I think because I'd, I'd be like, all right, I'm clearly respected enough that they've been honest with me. Mm. I'm going to sort of have faith that this will be paid back to me in dividends if yeah. I'm just patient enough. The, the big play there is actually to call them out on it, not mm. in a negative way, but say, okay, fully understand and appreciate that. Mm. I'm, I'm next in line for, for that role. Mm. Why don't you give me the title now? Yeah, right. You know, just to, just to reflect the fact that I will be given the next opportunity. I understand that I won't be performing the, the role yet, but just give me the title now. Yeah, almost like put your money where your mouth is sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because really it's just me being in that yeah, particular it's, it's position. It's a timing issue, right? Yeah, that's um, interesting. And an opportunity issue. Yeah. yeah, I suppose that would be a pretty good way to sort of put it to the company to see how serious they are about it. Yeah. but the, I never the, thought about the, that The before. most common thing that I see though is where they continue to push the goalposts out. Yeah. And that's where the, the frameworks aren't strong enough and clear enough. They can try and do that. They can mm. say, well, you know, you need to do another type of project or you need to deliver a different type of you know program or you need to have one more year of this or yeah. you need to do, undergo a leadership training program or you know like and they just keep pushing the goalposts out yeah so what you really need to do is make sure that the goalposts are you know mm. stuck where they are and and companies should do that themselves but if they don't that's a conversation to have with your boss and say line in the sand this is where I need this is the finish line that I need to get to yeah and bed it down really clearly so it doesn't keep changing. Yeah, nice. All right, let's take a break. Cool. Nice. And we're back. So, I mean, we talked about before, so you mentioned just before the break, businesses who don't have your best interests at heart will sort of appear to kind of continually move the goalposts. So before you even get to that point where they do sort of even attempt to move the goalposts, in terms of like laying down your intentions of where you want to go, how long you want to get there, et cetera, yeah. what does that conversation look like? How can you kind of maybe corner a business into not playing silly buggers with you? Yeah, I think... Because um, just to preface, they don't always... They don't play silly buggers with everyone. No, of course. And I don't generally think that people are sort of evil and trying to keep you under the thumb. Like, there's good managers and bad managers, obviously. Some... Managers unfortunately think that the best way to go about things is to is to push the goalposts, is to be vague, is to you it's know like keep time. people where they are. It's yeah. buying time, which yeah. is which is stupid because you end up losing someone rather than you know keeping them far longer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So honesty is always best policy for me in terms of management. I think, yeah, having the conversation and being very clear of what the objectives are is, is important, but the thing to bed down is the timeline to achieve them. So there'll be some things that are outside of your control, like, you know, can you be put on the next project if the next project doesn't exist yet? Um, but in the meantime, if there are other things uh, that need to be achieved, uh, it's about putting the timeline on on them. So... Time and time again, I see people put in their in their annual you know development plan or their performance objectives. You know, I, I want to do this course or I want to um, get better at this skill, mm. and it comes to the end of the year they've done nothing about it yeah. because work gets in the way, life gets in the way. It's not prioritized. But if it's that important for your for for your career progression, it you need to make sure that it gets done. Well, you talked there about there needs to be a time commitment to it, right? You talked about this, I think, in one of our previous episodes about having a conversation with your boss to say, "I'm going to do what's required of me today, mm. but I'm also going to put aside ten percent of my time, and that's yeah. that. I'm going to be, I'm going to stick to that, yeah, in order to ensure yeah. that I am developing the skills required for me to do." Yeah, so I call it like I call it the ninety ten rule. Like ninety percent of your job should be focused on what you need to do in your day to day, and then ten percent of your your job or ten percent of your time should be allocated to development, personal development, professional development. If it's not, and you're just doing the same thing every day, how do you expect to progress? Well, I think in in reality, if you've got a good manager, they should be facilitating that by giving you a side project that doesn't necessarily isn't linked to your performance objectives. And I've done this with my staff where I've given them a project that is like an extracurricular activity almost or I've linked them into a project outside of my department Yeah. in order to kind of A, give them exposure with other businesses yeah. sort of facets and then other other sort of skills that they don't typically get to do in their day-to-day. And that goes well like with people who are hungry and you know willing to take on more but unless it, it's explicit that that's leading to something, some people will, will not understand that they're getting given extra responsibilities to facilitate growth and some of them just don't, they won't do it. You know? Yeah, I mean that's... So I think clarity is important as yeah, to why you're doing it. I think you have to be very forthcoming about what your intentions are. So you sit yeah. them down and, and you say to your boss like, I want to do this for the sake of X, Y and Z and yeah. I'm going to, you know, it's really important for my sense of satisfaction at the business. Yeah. I think businesses tend to push the goalposts where they can. Yeah. Like it's very much give an inch, take a mile. You're 100% right, actually, yeah. Like, I mean, um, if you've not had the conversation with your boss, if the clarity isn't there, if, you know, if you've not put the extra effort in, then your boss potentially um, will take advantage of that and say, well, you've not done this one thing. Is that one thing paramount to your promotion and progression? Probably not, you know. I I will never say that people have to be 100% competent in everything that they need to be able to be progressed that's nonsense yeah i think it's actually advantageous to progress someone who's got gaps um because you're giving them you're sort of stretching them and giving them an incentive to grow yep without putting them in a role that they will pretty they'll get pretty comfortable with um soon after anyway yeah so don't let people say oh you know you need to have this um or you need to prove that you can do this thing before i'll give you the job that's bullshit um yeah that's interesting but yeah, they will take advantage if if they can because the, the longer they can keep you with a slow progression, the, the less lo- the less risky in their head that they could lose you. But in actual fact, they're not in your head and they don't know whether you're just getting frustrated, right? Well, that's the thing. You've got a business, you know, it's a medium business has got anywhere between 300 and 1,000 staff. Mm. And at any given time, they're trying to 
reduce turnover as much as possible to retain talent and skill in the business. Yeah. And so really like they're just buying themselves wiggle room essentially because it's you and 30 other people in your development stream that are all kind yeah. of competing with one another. 100% like, you know, there's the, for the top positions it's a, it's a diminishing scale. But in actual fact what's happening there is that they're not wanting to have honest conversations. So out of the 30 people that want to be the you know, the business unit lead or, or director or head of the business unit, there's probably 28 of them that don't, that are way off the mark. Yeah. But no one's having the conversation with them, you know, saying that you're way off the mark, these are development areas, blah, blah, blah. Um, tough conversations are paramount to this from both the manager and the employee. Yep. You know, don't go to your manager without, you know, expecting to have a tough conversation and also expecting some some truths that you mightn't like uh, but at least I, I think that the goal here is absolute clarity right like where does my boss who has control of my promotion where does my boss think that I am skilled or lacking skills whether you agree or don't that's their perception exactly right and once you know then you know the areas that you need to work on if they're vague and they're like yeah just keep doing what you're doing you know like uh, they're buying the time. Yeah, they're buying time. Yeah. It's a load of shit. I think whether well, you've kind of touched on what I want to get stuck into is like how do you identify – what are some red flags in a business generally that show that their linear progression tree is mm. a farce? Mm. You know, you enter a business and you see various levels of seniority and whatever and everyone assumes that like, okay, well, a, it's fair to assume when you step into a business that they've got their shit together, mm. that their HR structures are well thought out, that they're fair. Yeah. They're, you know, what are the red flags to look for? If you're, say, tomorrow, you have a good hard think about it, what should someone be looking for that might indicate that actually that their linear progression is a bit of a mess and it's probably not going to serve you? Yeah. Uh, the things that I would look out for are what's happening around you, you know. Um, if you've got highly capable and experienced people and let's face it that this historically has happened with women um or just you know um minorities and stuff like that but if you've got highly skilled and experienced people who are not progressing at a rate that you would normally see it's a bit of a red flag if you've got people if this is a classic one if you hear he's a good bloke yeah a lot that's <laughs> then, a red flag that's a massive red flag yeah like what the fuck does he? He's a good bloke. Have to do with it. Like it, it's a job. There's deliverables. You know, like obviously, how you interact with people, your personality, your your soft skills are important. But if someone's good at their job and they they, and they don't piss people off, uh, you know, and they get along with people and they execute to a high standard, who gives a fuck if they're a good person? Mm. Like a good bloke. Sorry. Yeah, like fun to have a beer with. Yeah. Like, great. Um, but I hear, you know, we, we unfortunately work in an industry where that sort of stuff's rife. Um, yeah, super commonplace. Yeah. But I think the, the, the vague responses are the ones that are an automatic red flag. Yeah. It's happened to me a couple of times in my career where I've been knocking on the door of a, a promotion and I say, cool, what do I need to do to progress? And um, the vague part is, is there. The other thing that is really absolute red flag is if they give you objectives that are not actually anything to do with you. Yeah, right. So it's like deliver this project or, you know, um, win an award for the company or it's got fuck all to do with your career. Yeah, true. Like 
what's that got to do with your skills or experience? Mm. Delivering the project successfully, if you've never delivered a project successfully before, of course, you know, like they, they want to they see that you're capable of doing something. Mm. But if it's just deliver another project and you've done it before, it's got nothing to do with your career. It has to do with the company's best interests. Yep. And unfortunately, I see that a lot where people are told, oh, I've, ju- I've just got to deliver this next project. I think that's so fraught as well because there's so many like variables out of your control mm. in that scenario where, you know, oh, well, you're not going to get a promotion because the client fucking did something crazy that means that this project is not mm. going to be. And it's got nothing to do with how capable you are. No. So it needs to be broken down. Ooh. It needs to be broken down into something a bit more granular, right? Like it's not just, you know, deliver this much profit or, you know, to deliver this project or win this award or get this industry recognition or whatever. It's what skills do I need to actually develop as a part of that exercise that you see are necessary for my promotion? I mean, that's the thing. Like what, what should really be, what should be a really easy kind of definition on what your requirements are is that this job requires the following skills Yes. and you have the following kind of responsibilities. Mm. What have you demonstrated you have an aptitude for what are we waiting to see in terms of it could be like doing a budget, managing staff, all that yep. sort of stuff. Yeah. You know. So there's three three areas, as you know, is your is your bag, is your field. So there's uh, technical competencies, behavioral competencies, and managerial competencies. Yeah. Those are the three areas that fundamentally make up a role. Yeah. Right? So what skills and and the technical part is probably the most complex, uh, but it's actually the easiest one to to measure. Yep. It's made up of, you know, your your technical training, so your your degree or your, you know, your diploma or whatever, your whatever you've been trained in doing, um, or your apprenticeship or your on on the job learning. Mm-hmm. What what are your technical skills? Um and as part of that as well, it's the experience that you've gained in doing those tasks. So you know, have you done it on a big project or a small project? Have you done it in a public or a private environment? Have you done it in different types of legal contracts and arrangements or budgets or et cetera? So they're technical skills, very easy to define, very easy to measure. The behavioral ones are similarly easy to define, but I've seen many companies fuck them up. They're incredibly hard to measure. Um, but I would say out of the people that I've promoted in the past 10 years in my career, behaviors trump technical skills every day the way i see it so for me i believe technical skill defines the kind of role you can do yeah behavioral skill defines the seniority of in which you can do that role yeah and then managerial progression yes and the managerial skills define the number of people that can report into you yeah for sure and i think that those are the different kind of things that can shape the, the kind of role you can do yeah so if you have really shitty behavioral skills but you've in terms of some people are really good at delegating and not doing do you know what i mean and so you see it all the time like someone could be like senior in terms of i actually worked with a few people who have like a seniorish title but in terms of like their ability to actually undertake the role they actually can't be hands-on about it so they actually make pretty good managers yeah um but that's also in a non-technical space yeah i think if you've got someone who's like incredibly technical Mm. like skilled and then they have shocking sort of behavioral skills or shocking managerial skills they are the technical experts that can you can put in a corner and you kind of yeah but yeah definitely and that's um this is going to sound critical mate that is the tendency when you see people who are technically brilliant mm. 
but it, really it's the individual person's choice whether they want to get progressed. 100%. Right? But I think people will see those individuals and go, yeah, that person's technically brilliant but a bit difficult, so we're not going to invest any time trying to progress them or, or develop them because it's it, you know we're just going to keep them in that technical role. You know? I think the trick, the un- unfortunate thing though is like when it comes to certain roles, the more senior you get, you by default unfortunately end up taking on staff. And I think unfortunately for people who maybe don't have the behavioral or managerial skills, there it's a lot harder for them to uh, to acquire them to a standard where you can trust that they can take on that role yeah. because it's not only the role and the success of the role being undertaken, but it's actually the well-being of other people and other staff. Yeah, sure. So if you put someone into a role that requires them to look after other people mm-hmm. and they've got shocking interpersonal skills, terrible managerial skills, and they're just – they could be a bit of an asshole. Um, unfortunately, you don't. You only risk that that role not being done well. You could lose good people as a result yeah, sure. of it. You know. Yeah, I guess like you know, they're the conversations that need to have. You know, you need to have with the individual if they're hell bent on that progression. They really want to be that leader anyway, and they don't. They don't understand or they can't develop. You need to have an honest conversation, saying, "Look, you know, people, we're going to continue to invest in your yeah. development, but yeah. you're still not there." Like. I think that's 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 really tough, right? Because I, like one of the like really important elements to being a good manager, I think, is like your ability to be compassionate, understanding, empathetic, all those sort of things. And some people just don't have the aptitude for it, and they don't necessarily even realize that that's actually important. Mm-hmm. I think some people see like being senior and, and managing people as just being able to tell people what to do. Yeah, and that's just not what's required like it is just so much more than that well the point the point of linear like one of the great things about linear progression though is that you know if it's tied into um into reporting lines and management so if your role currently is just a staff member you don't have any direct reports but the one that you progress into does does and the people who report who report to you are in the role that you just got promoted from um from yeah then you know where the you gaps know what and, they do. Yeah, and you like, know where they need support. Yeah, you yeah. inherently understand the role that they perform. Yeah, you know that the challenges. You've been doing it for a while, mm. and that's kind of the beauty because you've stood in their shoes. And I think that there should be an underlying degree of respect that comes with that because you've done their job. They know you've done their job. They know you've put in the yards, you know, and the hours and and whatever, and you can speak their language. So. Linear progression frameworks are valuable from that respect. Um, I think that only that does only kind of serve you to a point though because I think it does get to a point with certain levels of seniority where you are taking on the scope of people who've come from different parts of the branch. Yeah, sure. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, a part of that progression is potentially, again, as I said earlier, like doing extracurricular projects where you work with those people who are adjacent to you to get yeah. just an, a sense of what they do. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me would speak in volumes if I was looking at say you and someone who was in the same role and you'd worked on projects with roles that were adjacent to you I immediately would be like they've got a more well-rounded understanding of what is required of the people around them yeah but mate what happens if you if you get into an organization where this stuff is vague it doesn't really exist what do you do I mean that's that's I think that's a huge red flag straight away right I suppose what I mean, what you can do is, and we talked about, you know, businesses really should have a framework. If they don't have a, a framework, I suppose you kind of have a sense of like, you have a chance of kind of getting a sense of it by speaking to people around you. So you say, 
I would approach, say, someone in senior leadership or someone in a more senior role and say, oh, how did you get there? What did, did you, you used to yeah. do? Yeah. You know, I think you can kind of ascertain that information by kind of doing a bit of investigation work yourself. Yeah. And I think that happens naturally anyway. You, you're at a business for a while. You get to know who's who and, and, and what what. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of your first step. I think kind of then kind of having a look at seeing all the different people in the different roles, getting an understanding of what they do. Yeah. Which is, I mean, the problem is you can kind of look like a bit of an upstart if you're too aggressive about it. But really, yeah, but your you, line managers should support this. They process. should for sure, because like in in the end, if you don't get clarity on this, you're going to leave. You're going to get frustrated because it, it could potentially be slow. I'm going to come back to the benefit of it in a second. But mm. we spoke last week about mentors and advocates, and this is probably where you you can take advantage of a of an advocate within the business, really defining it for you. Yeah. There, there is an advantage of this being poorly defined, though. Yeah, because you can kind of... You can define it yourself. Yeah, right? you can kind of game that system as well because yeah. if it's poorly defined, then if, if it does come down purely to politics, that's an important thing to know. Yeah, I mean, it tells you a hell of a lot about the business. If, you know, if, if these things are poorly defined and there's a decent level of staff turnover, yeah. it means that it not only is it poorly defined, it's quite hard to overcome... Right, like people are struggling to overcome the lack of clarity. Well, let's like let's circle back to the original question. I think some things you need to ask, even in your initial kind of trying to understand, is how many people are parachuted into roles? Mm -hmm. How many people do they hire into roles from outside the business? Mm -hmm. So, like, I think a huge tell in terms of whether a company's got its shit together in terms of linear progression is if you look at the senior leadership team and there are three or four of them that have been hired into that role from an external business. That's a huge tell because it means I don't think the business has a strong enough framework to upskill its own staff to have people ready to promote yeah, into those I'd roles. Probably, rather than senior leadership, I'd, I'd look well, at middle, middle management. management. Yeah, yeah, I agree Because I think senior leadership people, that, you know, I've worked in too many businesses now where people on the board have just gotten there by sticking it out longer than anyone else yeah um, i think you're right middle management's a good one and if if middle management if you look at middle management and tons of people have been hired into those roles rather than promoted from yeah, that's lower a red roles flag for sure huge red flag i think because like when someone leaves the first thing a business should do is who do we have that's ready to go because yeah. i genuinely believe you should always promote from within yeah because the person and there are exceptions to this circumstance because there are certain roles where you're looking for fresh blood a new perspective i think like HR is a really good example. Mm -hmm. I think there are genuine roles where it's like, no, no, we want to bring someone in who's got a fresh outlook on this. Mm -hmm. But genuinely, I think that 90% of the people in middle management should have been promoted from lower roles. But to, to go back to what we were saying before, like you can use this to your advantage, but it means a different set of skills to be able to get to navigate through the system. So if it's unclear what technical skills and behavioral skills and managerial skills you need, what is really happening there is that you need relationship-based progression, yeah. which, you know... Which is tricky as hell. It's tricky. I find it incredibly uncomfortable because I don't like the idea that my future is... How dictated, much like someone likes me. Yeah, dictated yeah. by the relationships and, and internal politics. But if you've got these red flags coming along, the odds are that how you progress within this business is relationship-based. And if that is some of your personal skill. Like yeah. if you're great at making friends, you're really sociable, you're really capable at sort then of you're building laughing. and networking, then you this is set. probably the business you need to stay in. 100%. Right? That, and I think that the problem is for the two of us, we're very much 
skills we, we believe in skills-based promotion so yeah. you've got two people here that really are looking to prove their capacity to do something and use that as leverage yeah but i know tons of people who are much more comfortable with the idea of networking their way to the top yeah and and look in, in today's uh in today's age and and the situations that we're in with corporate sort of uh directions looking very much around diversity and inclusion and equity networking is counterintuitive right because it, it is not everyone's equal. Yeah. It's like whoever, who's the best at sort of developing relationships and almost brown nosing and stuff. But, yeah. but if you're good at that... Who can I watch the footy with? Like, yeah, like if you're good at that, fuck yeah, go for it. And, and it's probably a good, good uh, organization for you to be in. I think I If mean, you're not, then... Yeah, you know. the other thing is like you just need to look at yourself and look at the person who is in the senior positions in the business. And if you can see yourself fairly much replicating that person, i.e. same gender, same interests, you know, all that sort of same background, then yeah, you, you've, got a, you've got a winning ticket there because you probably yeah. find it really easy to connect with that person who will essentially supercharge movement. So I think if you can do that sort of assessment, you can get a pretty solid idea of whether or not this is a business that you think you can be successful in yeah. without a lot of effort. Yeah. And that's a decision. I, I think it's better to kind of come to that conclusion early rather than later. Definitely. There's yeah. nothing worse than kind of investing several years into a space and it kind of stymieing your career. Because at the end of the day, what you get out of the business is still all you have to sell when you go elsewhere. So really, you could spend five years at a business and really, in actuality, not gain too much experience because of it, because you've not been given the opportunities and you've, like I said, you've been stymied by those who aren't necessarily interested in... in advancing your career and then you've wasted five years where you could have gone to another business and picked up a whole bunch of experience yeah definitely so like the, the, if coming back to those three areas technical uh competency behavioral competency and managerial competency if the frameworks are there those sh things should be pretty clear if the frameworks aren't and you're and you're trying to understand those areas and it's still vague potentially as we're saying you're in a, a network prioritized business and so trying to tackle those things whilst they're beneficial for you because it no, no matter what it still improves your ability to do a, a good job you probably need to think a little bit differently on how you you know manage the internal politics and the internal relationships yep agreed nice let's right. take a break Perfect. all right welcome back um so we've kind of we've covered sort of how to, how to sort of get stuck into the framework if it's been created, if it hasn't been created, kind of ascertaining why and if that's the case, you know, what kind of business are you working for and whether or not that's the right fit for you and if it is and, and how to kind of climb that tree. I suppose the last thing is if we circle back to the original conversation where businesses will tend to kind of set goalposts out to say you're not at the right level yet. And as we said, that sometimes this is a bit of an excuse to kind of delay things and buy time for the business or, 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 you know, distraction theory. But if it's authentic and there is a real gap in what you're doing and what you want to be doing, and we've already talked about sort of partitioning away 10% to develop those skills, but I think something that's really important in that process is to say what skills actually do I need to develop? So in terms of a skills gap analysis, where do you start? Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing you need to do is know where you're going. So the, the, the role that you're wanting to go for, uh, you need to try and get a map of 
the you know the skills, capabilities, the experience, te- technical competency, behavioural competency, and managerial competency. So, so where do you get that from? Well, you either should be able to get it from the HR framework, or if it doesn't exist and it's vague, go speak to them. You go to the person, guy or girl that actually has that role, mm. right? Um, and they they should be able to help you. If they can't, then you need to speak to your manager and and use that person as an example the person who is in that role and say, well, this is the role I want to get to. Can we try and do either a, a three-way discussion about where where you know where I am and where that person is and how I get there and therefore how we do a map, a map of it? Or you just do that with your manager. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think something that would also be worthwhile is potentially looking at more than one person. I think yep. you'll find that if there's a role that you want to get into and there is a bit of vagueness there is that, I mean, I think what we said before, we talk, we were talking about it pretty binary about businesses will either be vague or not vague. And there's definitely room in the middle, right? So they might have a framework and they follow it okay. Mm. But you might have three or four people in the same role and there could be a, a big difference in the skills that each of those yeah, yeah. people have. So I think it's worthwhile because there'd be nothing worse than sort of, you know, you pick the one person that actually kind of is mates with the right people and they might have, you know, they might scrape in as having the right skill set. Yeah. But ultimately they've probably been pushed into that position a little prematurely yeah, or whatever. You're, you're right, man. Yeah, yeah. So it's really important, I think, that if you've got a role that you maybe look at a few different people in the business. And or at I, least someone that's been in that role for a number of years now and therefore even if they got there through relationships, they've had to perform the, exactly. the responsibilities and therefore by that stage should be proficient. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, you can have people in a role that have done it for 15 years and someone who's done it for five years and someone who's been in a bunch. Of, so it's, it's kind of, it might actually, especially if you do have a business that's on the vaguer end of defining what requires, um, what skills are required for a role, is kind of getting a broad sort of understanding of the various people and then kind of going backwards from there and saying, okay, well, how much do I need to get just to meet the minimum requirements? Yeah, and then it's, it's really like once you've got the map, it's really about how fast you can run. Right, like, and that's a hundred percent a conversation you need to have with your manager, and it's a conversation you need to have with yourself, right? Like, because a lot of the, the capabilities you need to build are, are in addition to the role that you currently do. Yeah. So you're not always going to be able to do that within that ten percent of extra time that you're afforded. You know, we're saying the ninety ten rule. If you've been, if you had a good conversation with your manager and and they're good enough to give you that ten percent of your time to grow. If the gaps are significant, you're not necessarily going to be able to do it all in that 10%. And so you might need to, to chew into some significant personal time and do extra stuff and projects on the side to be able to grow those skills. Or just maybe be a little bit more realistic about you yeah, know, well, the timeframes. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of these things like, yeah, you can probably fast track elements of it by dedicating extra time to it. Yeah. But there might just be the harsh reality of like, it's going to take you a few years. Yeah. You know, linear progression is in is that way for that very reason. You know, yeah, it sure. does sometimes take time. Like we're talking about how to get there faster and, you know, avoid pitfalls of, of companies slowing you down. But actually the slowest determining factor actually could be that it just might take you a few years to pick up the skills. For sure. And and then there's the elephant in the room as well, which is, you know, if they're putting a time frame on it that you're not happy with, is there another company that can put a faster time frame on it? Yeah. Right? Like or if they're being vague around the the deliverables and the and the skills and capabilities you need to grow, is there another company that's not going to be vague? Well, I think that's an interesting thing you raise, right? Because I think there's a, a certain glamour to working for like a big company, right? You know, there's a certain, um, I suppose, 
you know, shininess to these big, like, corporate companies. Um, yeah. You know, everyone knows who they are. It's very easy to kind of, like, sell yourself on a resume, et cetera. Yeah. But sometimes, as you said, in order to kind of make those quick wins and get exposure to certain projects, you might be looking to go to a smaller business. Yeah. You know, where they are willing to spread uh, a bigger load across fewer people. Yeah. Um, and where you will really get the exposure. Yeah, because like in, in the end, progression is quite often about opportunity, right? Uh, if you're in a bigger company, you're competing with a lot of people. Yes, you know, there's a lot of, lot of roles and a lot of things to do, but th- that competition might be um, go- working against you. Yeah, and I think obviously like you, you have to let go of the prestige of like some of the bigger companies, but at the end of the day, I think like it's 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 just, it's a, a sacrifice and a risk that you have to be willing to take because at the end of the day, those skills will serve you in future roles. I think like for some people it'd be quite nerve wracking. Say you worked for one of the big consulting companies and you kind of you're in that upper echelon of of sort of companies and then you decide to go to a smaller, more niche sort of boutique one. Yeah. If you then wanted to kind of step back into the big boys club, you then have a a bit harder. Potentially. Yeah, because you've kind yeah, of I mean, sell your skills a little bit more. But Yeah, potentially. I mean, I, I for one would never advocate going to another business, um, going to any business uh, and take taking a step backwards. Yeah, um, no, it always, always has to be an up, uh, a side or an upward step. Yeah, and, and even if it's a side, uh, you'd try not to do a side, but... It, you know, so if you're going to a smaller firm from a bigger one, you bet you should be pushing for it. Absolutely, right? going up, yeah, hundred percent. You shouldn't be going for a sideways step to go into a smaller firm because that's the thing. It, it's like you are let going, letting go of the clout that comes with. Because obviously, walk into any kind of job interview to say you've worked at a particular business, especially a really well-known one. There's an implied level of experience that comes yeah, with yeah. that, you know. Whereas when you're coming from a smaller business, you kind of have to prove that that smaller business has. Certain technical capabilities, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're absolutely right. If you are stepping into a smaller space to get exposure for a role, you should be stepping up. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, if you step sideways with the expectation that there are more opportunities in the smaller one, you might get stuck yeah. as well. Exactly. You know? And then, okay, why did you step sideways? Why did you leave this prestigious business to go to a smaller one for the exact same role? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's a hundred percent fair. Like yeah. you really are making a sacrifice. You need to get something from it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Uh, skills gaps though. So like I think I think one of the key things that people really need to remember though is there is a portion of this that is self-reflective and subjective, right? Like you will naturally have blind spots as to your 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 skills. Um, people will think that you do things in a, you know to a different level that you do. Hopefully, if the framework is good or you can establish the framework in the right way, it's going to be as objective as possible in as many areas as possible. But as we said before, behaviors are subjective. So there's a, there's a there's behaviors an take here. time as well to prove. Yeah, they take time to prove. It's not one of those things that you consistent. Yeah, it's you know, it's yeah, exactly. It's almost like with a technical skill, you kind of have to prove you can do it once, and that's yeah. kind of enough. With a, a behavioral skill, it has to be a consistency thing. So it actually takes a bit of time to prove that that's Definitely. the case. You can be nice to someone once. It doesn't make you a nice person. Yeah, exactly. It's a good analogy. I mean, you know, but what, one, one of the, thing, the points I was going to make was you can't get around the fact that people will have an opinion yeah. and that opinion does affect where you're ranked in, in those behaviors. Um, and so... 
if you can try and push the objectives, uh, sorry, push the the kind of um, the competencies and the the criteria to be more objective as possible, um, then that's going to work in your favour because it's very black and white. And in particular, if you're a manager, this is good advice for you as well. Like, the more black and white you can be with people, the the better it's going to serve you because that lack of um, clarity, that lack of consistency, creates that divide like if i if i one month to uh, saying to you yeah i really want you to work on this skill um you know that that's what you really need to develop and then the next month i'm saying something slightly different mm. i'm trying to say something similar but it's slightly different that confusion causes a lack of trust mm. so objective um objective targets are critical as much as possible well i think for anyone being a manager out there I think it might sound kind of mean to lay out. So, so I think like by default, we probably in a review with the staff would err on the side of maybe not trying to lay on too many criticisms at once. And so they'll say, well, we'll start with this thing and work out, you know, from there. But then as you said, without intending to, that does give off the impression of moving the goalposts. I think you're much better off to just say, in terms of your next steps, we have a fair bit of work to do and just laying it all out and saying, we can't tackle all of this at once, but I think what we can focus on in the short term is this and this. Yeah, exactly. And then move on. And it might seem harsh at first, but honestly, I think you're doing a huge favour to yourself and your staff member yeah. by laying it all out in one go. And consistency is absolutely critical as a manager. Like if, you, if you're saying one thing one week and you're saying something slightly different the next week, and if you spread that over a year, like that, that lack of consistency causes a lack of trust and understanding. Consistency yeah. is key. Yeah, 100%. I think you need to be constantly speaking to the same messages in the same language. Yeah. And, and honestly, like that you're drawing, you only get to draw that line in the sand once, maybe yeah. twice. Yeah, and if, if as a manager you fuck up the line, yeah, you, can acknowledge- I mean. you can just say, look, I'm really sorry. I've made a mistake here as to what my expectations of you should have been. Yeah. And and take that on the chin. Don't don't. Or just say I was I wasn't clear enough. I didn't. Yeah, it wasn't clear enough. Yeah. What I actually meant was this. Let's start again. Mm-hmm. And there'll be some frustration from that, but it's far better than being vague and like, oh no, actually you've misinterpreted me. What I actually meant was this. This is your fault. Sort of, you know, like you got to swallow your pride sometimes with this stuff and have a proper good conversation. I think one last thing on that is to say if you realise you've set the bar at the wrong point, is to address it as soon as possible. Don't wait till they get to that point. Yeah. I think that would reflect poorly. I think you'd be be much better received if you if the person was only halfway to, you know, that level of progress, and you said actually, you know, rather than wait because in their head they're like I've made it, I've done the thing, and then mm. you've taken that away from them. Yeah. But final point for me, I think on this is that like so linear progression is valuable because it should be black and white. If it's not, you need to try and do your best with your manager or the people, uh, you know, the, the powers that be to make it as as clear and transparent and um, objective mm-hmm. as possible because you're basically going to think, okay, I've just got to tick a bunch of boxes to be able to progress. Yep. The speed at which you can do that obviously depends on the company you're in and the speed that you want to work at, right? But if you can make it as objective as possible or if the company's already made it as objective as possible, that's brilliant. Yep. If it's not objective, if it's not clear uh, and you're getting frustrated and there's no intent from the business to make it more clear, 
get the fuck out of there. Yeah, agreed. Right? Well, <laughs> like, unless, as you said, we pointed out earlier that you've realized that the, it's a politically driven business and that's your thing. Unless that's your thing. But, it, you know, it, it, if that is your thing, then you probably wouldn't be the person having discussions around ticking boxes and objectives and all that sort of stuff yeah, anyway. You'd be going for beers after work. You'd be going for beers, trying to work out how you get given opportunities yeah. without, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. But if, if you're not and you really can't get a handle on what you need to do to progress and they can't give you a straight answer or the answer keeps yeah. changing every year. Time to go. It's literally time to go. And you'll probably find out that you've developed good skills, uh, good capabilities to be able to step up anyway. Mm. Um, well, just on that, one more thing is you might be able to get the skills and go. Exactly, yeah. Like grab as many tools as you can, put them in your tool chest and get the hell out of there. And I think, um, yeah, like it... it it's hard because you can you can try and stay as long as you can with the premise and it's about recognizing that early, I think. Yeah. Um, but bearing in mind that if you go and change companies, it is still linear progression. It is still right? linear progression. You know, it's just the path might be clearer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Sick. Uh, nice, well, man. Good chats. All right, now it's time for our mailbag. So, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why I said it that way. Mailbag. Mailbag. <laughs> All right, so this one's from Jess. Um, hey, boys, love the show. Thanks, Jess. I've been working as a graphic designer for the last four years at a media house. I'm part of a great team and I love the vibe. I get along with all my colleagues and I'm just really happy here. My boss, my boss just told our team that she's pregnant and will likely take maternity leave in a few months. She has said that she's looking to fill her role with someone on our team. I'm one of three designers and by way of experience, I'm definitely the most skilled with regards to technical capability. One of my other colleagues has been at the business longer, but I believe he, um, he has less technical proficiency. I'm worried that his tenure will trump uh, my skill set. And as I only have a few months to upskill, what can I do to give myself the best chance at promotion? And how can I demonstrate this to my boss? Mm. Thanks, Jess. Good question. Very good. Yeah, so I guess the first thing is um, definitely the most skilled with regard to technical capability. So I'm assuming that's using software and whatnot. Yeah, so like I guess let's assume that there is a very clear kind of tick, ticking of the boxes here and and that, that's very black and white. Yeah. She is more technically skilled than this other person, mm -hmm. able to use more software, you know. Uh, do different you know, things. Do different things. Yep. Okay, more technically skilled. Yeah. I guess beyond that, the real questions are like, what are, what are your management skills? Like, have you led people before? Mm. And do you have any concerns around like, you know, behavioral gaps? Um, well, I, what seems to be interesting to me is mentioning someone's tenure kind of implies that maybe Jess is thinking that the business does have a kind of a tendency to lean on politics a little bit. Yeah. Um, otherwise I don't think that that would matter. Um, I suppose something we don't know is whether this is a small business or a big business or what. So, I mean, yeah, I suppose just mentioning that me like leads me to believe that she thinks that like, yeah, there's a chance that it's who, you know, not what, you know. Yeah. Okay. So, but bear bearing in mind, right. That technically, um, it, look, if this is a, if this is a, maternity cover I'm not quite sure on the sort of technical rules and legal rules like they might just bring someone in externally to do a, a temporary cover mm. Let, if they don't um, well if the boss then, is the one who's inside of the kind of 
talk about promotion. Yeah. Then Those the chances are maybe the boss is like, well, I might not come back. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. But so if that's the case, then really the the sort of ethical and I think legal thing that the company has to do is allow people to apply for State it. State a case, yeah. Yeah. They need to have an, have an open, open application rather than just selecting someone. Yeah, that's true. Um, in which case, really, the conversation now is about how you prepare for that situation, like, you know, that kind of interview process. Quick question. What is the obligation for a business to... What obligation does a business have to do that process? I, I, I'm not sure. I think, like, we don't want to go down the, the... Legal rabbit hole. Legal rabbit hole, but I'm pretty sure if in this example they didn't and they just gave it to the bloke. Like a successorship, yeah. Yeah, then they could be in trouble for kind of... Um, I think they'd have to prove there was some sort of formal, pre-formal progression plan. Like they'd, he'd already been in chats to say, I want to take your job. Yeah. But Even that, before she'd announced she was leaving. But that doesn't necessarily preclude other people anyway. So like... True. If, if Jess is the technically most proficient person and they gave it automatically to somebody else, they'd find themselves in trouble. Well, I suppose, again, it kind of harks back to what is it that her boss does that might be outside of the scope of her technical skills. So, yeah, for example, so client, managing people. Yeah, stakeholder management. Yeah, behaviours, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So, yeah. to, to me, leaving aside the potential, like, you know, risks and and potential that the, the company's going to do the wrong thing, if they're going to do the right thing and there is a there is an interview process, it's really about making sure that you can demonstrate those capabilities um when the time comes. So if there's a, a few months uh, ahead in the short term, maybe it's about if you don't have any direct line reports, it's about getting some you know, think, and demonstrating that leadership skill in the short term. I think something else to be mindful of, and this might work against Jess, unfortunately, is that I think we've talked about this in previous episodes, is that it actually might be that the role above her doesn't require that much technical skill. Yeah. in order to do it. And it's wonderful that she has the technical skill and the insight to know how to do certain things. But actually, it might serve the business better to have her available to do the technical work. And that yeah. could actually work against her because the might, business might say, actually, the person who goes into this role just needs to be an excellent manager and have like a loose understanding of the technical capabilities. Mm. And therefore, actually, she'd probably be less inclined to get the role as a result. Yeah, but... Any decent business shouldn't be just predetermining someone's course of career progression. So it's really up to her if she wants to go for that role irrespective. I get what you're saying. Like, I think that, I mean, that just kind of demonstrates then that if that is the case, then she really needs to make a point of demonstrating that she is the person with the managerial and behavioral personal skills. behavioral skills yeah. in order to do that. Yeah. So I, I would get on the front foot now, really. And if if Jess doesn't have any direct reports, Try and get a couple, yeah, um, and and demonstrate those skills, those leadership and behavioural skills uh, over the the months ahead, but also point out that um, point out that, that that's the aspirations. That, yeah, that's that what I was going to say. Yeah, like make your intentions really clear because there's no point kind of assuming that you are a contender, and especially if you have the foresight because you've got the benefit of someone saying I'm leaving in a few months' time mm. to sit that person down and say I'm interested in your role mm. am I a, a contender and if I am what, what do, do I, I need to demonstrate so I think that's yeah. key and that, that's really kind of what we spent most of the episode talking about really yeah is really just be very clear about your what you want and yeah. how you and how you want to get there sort of thing yeah. 
we did say in a previous episode, you know, like uh, there's a lot of, or we probably said it a few times, there's a lot of people who seem to get hit negatively with the ambition brush. Like th- this is not necessarily ambition. I don't uh, think it's it, ambition at all. It's like, just ha- being clear on what's in front of you, right? Like, yeah. And ambition, as I said, should never be treated as a dirty word. But yeah. um, don't don't feel shy about then going to your boss and saying, look, you know, you got there's a great opportunity in front of me. Um, you're going on maternity leave. You know, I, I'd 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 revel in the opportunity to get the experience to to operate at that level. Mm. Um, I'm putting my name in the in you know in the hat. What's or, or what do they say? My hat in the ring. Yeah, my, yeah. Put my hat in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what a weird saying. I know. I just was thinking about that. Goes that doesn't sound right. But um, putting my name forward for this opportunity. Mm. What do I need to demonstrate over the next couple of months to really you know lock that role down? And if they're dickish enough to laugh you down, then again, it's probably an ch- opportunity. I mean, I don't think that's the case. Just it doesn't sound like it. The culture sounds really sounds good. Sounds really good. So I really like a supportive culture. Even if they don't think you're right for the role, they'll be pretty forthcoming about it. Hopefully they'll say, hey, look, we don't think you're ready for it yet, but we really appreciate that this is something you aspire to. So maybe let's start a career progression path for you. Well, it's really, really good point, mate, because if, if they say that you're not successful or that you're not ready... Um, they really need to tell you they why. They need to quantify, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in which case, you've automatically got a, a much clearer career plan in front of you. 100%. And, and, and this might only be, this might only have been a thought that's come to Jess when she's seen the opportunity. Mm. And there's every chance that she's really not put a lot of energy into this mm. until now. Mm. And if she has been working towards this for a, a long period of time, then he is hoping she's already had that conversation. And then, yeah, I think she's in good stead to mm. get stuck into this potential promotion yeah. and the business will know that she's gunning for it. So, yeah, yeah, I think, you know... It's, There's no it's, downside here, right? Yeah, exactly. Conversation. You, 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 you've, either, you've either had it and you're on the path or yeah. you're going to have it and you'll find out the answers. Yeah, and you're establishing your intentions and, and your desires and, and that's a good thing that they know, right? Yeah, and I think like a piece of advice for Jess here is like even if this isn't the time for you now, mm. don't be discouraged by that. Mm. It just means you've got work to do. You yeah. Know? Um, is, and if something's made clear to you, you can do something about it, right? Hundred like, percent. Yeah. yeah. You've got the you've got the equation in front of you. You know. Yeah. Um, nice. Sweet. That was good. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. To stay up to date with the latest episodes, don't forget to like and subscribe. Feel free to leave us a comment as we love to hear from you. Let's let's see if I can do this again. Let's do it. So yeah. Every week. Email us at snakesandladderspodcast at gmail.com. You did it. It's end, <laughs> end the letter, by the way. Uh, cool, man. Great to see you. We'll see you next time. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye.